Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. Let's be real. It's important that we understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That's because your brand is different. And actually, the people you face in your life are different. So you need to start reading other people's success stories and little articles and find your own level of motivation. Now, you can be motivated by their success. Don't get me wrong, because their stories can offer direction and help you reach your goals. But always remember, it's through your planning and through your committed effort that you're going to achieve the success that you want. My next guest, a longtime friend. Uh, last time I was here, I saw her right before COVID when she was opening one of her uh, popular franchise locations in the city of Atlanta, Georgia. Went down there and uh, was ready to get you all stretched out. She is a former professional dancer, turned entrepreneur, franchisor, and wellness educator. Kiki, Kika Stretch Studios help clients maintain youth and vitality with design tension relief that aids in increased flexibility and overall ability. Kika Wise is a businesswoman on a mission to educate millennials and me, people like me too and other generations on how to preserve self and pursue franchising. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, the talented but young, Kika Wise. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, Kika, you know, I was, uh, like I said, first of all, you introduced me to the whole concept of stretching. You know, I was a guy who uh, fought that whole stretching principle Thought it didn't make any sense. And since I've been stretching, and since we started our relationship, which is well over a year, almost two years now, it has yeah. improved my uh, my my flexibility, has improved my walk, has improved my posture. Tell us the the whole uh the whole science behind stretching. Yes. Thank you so much again for having me. Um basically when you stretch, you're sending fresh blood. Uh throughout your entire body so your body is able to operate better more efficiently you're not as tired you feel energized and then you're just moving with more grace you don't feel as much discomfort in your body so it's very important to keep the blood flowing through your body and so now that everyone's sitting down more (laughs) they're inside the house now more than ever it's so important to have someone help you stretch well like i said did you say help you stretch or is that the principle is it stretching by yourself a good thing or your business principle is somebody motivating you and assisting you tell us about your franchises and your brand yes so imagine lying on a mat and having someone gently stretch out your entire body for you so we help take away the tension that's been trapped inside of your body for years Yes. So our franchise locations are hubs for people to just feel more youthful, feel better, and just release all that tension that you really don't need. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Um, we've been in COVID in 2019, 2020, like you said. I, I met you. You were opening one of your uh, fantastic studios in the city of Atlanta, and I was about to schedule my, my first appointment at that location, and then COVID hit. And it shut down the country for approximately two months. When it was shut down, what was going through your mind and what was going through the franchisees, the franchises that you had sold your your brand to during that first two months? And talk about that. And then when you start coming out of COVID, what was the planning process then? Yeah. So when the pandemic first happened, all of our studios had to close for mm-hmm. three months. Um, for the first two weeks, I was really 
I was speechless. I couldn't <laughs> believe that we were being forced to shut down. Right. And during the pandemic, I had to have calls with my franchisees every week. So while I was struggling, searching for positivity and answers in a situation like this, I really learned how to lead and I learned how to become a better leader by right. facing new entrepreneurs who just signed up, who are just getting their businesses flowing right. during a pandemic. So during the pandemic, we really focused on how we could help people feel better. Mm -hmm. That's what we do anyway. Mm -hmm. So um, after the three months, we all reopened and we were able to engage our clientele again. And they've been coming ever since. Great. So you currently have 13 locations, including New Jersey. Georgia, Nevada, New York City, Pennsylvania, and California. The reason I bring that up because each state has its own pandemic rules on how to operate, uh, social distancing. Uh, let's start with New Jersey. How did you um, I, I, uh, I guess navigate through the rules that they had in place in New Jersey? And we go to each state. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, so I understand what's going on in Atlanta. And California is straight up crazy going over there with their rules. So, so let's start with New Jersey, the most densely populated state in the union. <laughs> So New Jersey, uh, believe it or not, was not um, that bad. Okay. We were because we're one on one and we do the stretching in private rooms. We were able to open um, after in the first wave. So the first wave of openings, we were allowed to open at a limited capacity. So New Jersey was not that tough. Right. Um, we have five locations in New Jersey, so mm -hmm. we just had to follow the new COVID safety protocols, which was kind of easy for us because it's all one on one. And so New Jersey was not as intense as some other states, as you mentioned. <laughs> Absolutely. And so then you had Georgia, which uh, Georgia, uh, May 8th, I believe they was allowing opening for for places of massage. So you was able to to the. the Governor Brian Kemp, who was the governor of Georgia, had relaxed the rules starting May 8th. So that was kind of like taken care of. Then you had Nevada, New York City, which is your neighboring state, Pennsylvania. Now your most recent location that you opened was in California, Calabasas, yes. right? Mm -hmm. Tell us about navigating in California. <laughs> so, yes, California has its <laughs> own set of rules, many of them. Uh, when we opened in California, we were allowed to operate what we did as we started at an at-home service, so okay. we just did it outdoors. So that was the thing okay. um, when we opened. All of our stretching had to take place outdoors. So we met people at public parks, right. um, golf courses, mm -hmm. um, outside of their homes. So it was at home, at and people loved it. Wow, I don't have to you know, come out of my house. Um, well, I do have to come out of my house, but I don't have to drive to a location. So it was super convenient, and it worked really well for the state. Well, so we coming up, you know, Christmas coming up, New Year's coming up, New Year twenty twenty one. What's the goal? You know, because let's 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 talk some of the highlights of Kika Wise. She's the youngest female franchiser in America. She recently opened her thirteen, which we just talked about in Calabasas. The Kika the Kika stretch method is a trademark stretch routine, is like any other. When you say that the stretch method is unlike any other, what is the difference of me just going into my basement or going to getting out of my bed, laying on the floor? What makes your routine so unique? Right. So we all do that. We all stretch on our own. We all lay on the floor. And it's something that we keep doing and we right. keep seeking relief, but we mm -hmm. never get it because you can only go so far on your own. After a while, you're just stretching at the same point over and over. It's really not helping you uh, reach your goals. So when you have someone helping you, assisting you, you're going past your comfort zone and mm -hmm. you're opening up new areas of your body. So you can't do that 
on your own. Um, the goal for us this year is to continue to expand uh, nationally. And we're also adding some, some more services to what we already do to help make it more relaxing, more comfortable, and just uh, dynamic. So... Let's let's relax me as a customer. You know, I want to come in. I I know I need to stretch. I know I, I and I'm gonna tell you something. It does work, ladies and gentlemen. The stretching changes your life. Uh, bending over, um, just lifting things. Just I think the biggest thing that stretching does for me, Kika, is my posture and my walk. Because you know, as you, if you don't stretch, as you get older, your stride gets shorter and shorter, which causes that little slow motion, quick step walk. If you stretch, I'm just telling the truth. I, I, your boy was, I thought I, I had my swag on there. I looked in the mirror and I went, okay, boy, you walking like you 80 years old. And it's because I wasn't stretching. I wasn't, I was doing the uh, the walking, the power walking. I was doing on my treadmill or in the streets, slight jogging, but that has nothing to do with extending your stride because you can do, you've seen people jog in the streets, they that little, that little tippy tap jog because they don't feel like extending their body. Well, that was happening to me. And so so I, I was not motivating my body to get any better. And that's what the value of what you're talking about here is not just for people my age, but people younger should start the process. And that's really what you discovered. I want to, you know, it's been a long time since you've been on the show. Can you tell people the backstory of how you got started with your with your whole business model? Yes. Yeah, so I studied dance uh, at Montclair State University mm -hmm. in New Jersey. So I was a dance major. I acted and I danced professionally upon graduating for many years. Then it came to a point where I questioned, should I go back to school or should I start my own business? Right. Of course, people were like, don't start your business. You know, most businesses fail, blah, blah, blah. So I was always the type of person oh, the people, to not want people limits. People push your confidence, huh? pushing you, huh? Pushing your confidence ahead. Fail. You would never make Boom. it. Stop. Boom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Push stretching my confidence. Right. You know, it's really sad. I, cause I want, you know, look, I want you to finish your story, but that's what so many people stop because people don't understand your dreams. They will stop your dreams. If they don't, they won't take time to hear it out. They'll stop you in the middle of your speech. That's a dumb idea or that idea. How are you going to make money stretching people? That's what I know you heard that a lot. So you mean you're going to start a business where you just go stretch people out. See, they understand the word massage. They got that. They understand yoga. They understand Pilates. But you came on with a whole new concept, stretching. And like a person like me, oh, you just going to lay on the floor? Can I do that myself? And then you say, excuse me. That's the problem. You have been doing it yourself and you've been doing it wrong. And coming to your studio, you get to do it right. So continue. I just wanted to stop you right there. Cause when you, I get so mad when I hear people tell you to stop. When I hear that, it is so many times I hear so many interviews. That term is used where people stop people, try to prevent them from pursuing their dreams. Cause guess what? They don't understand. I always tell people, you try to be a right. doctor, do not go to a mechanic for advice. <laughs> right and unfortunately for for creatives for people who create it's something that you face people telling you to stop that right. what you're thinking is crazy and it's hard because you can't listen to them because they right. have no point of reference it's right. a path that they haven't taken right. so how can they really tell you to stop right so you right. just have to keep going so like you said people were like i can stretch myself what's the difference <laughs> so what we did our whole marketing uh campaign was Come in for 30 minutes for free. 
mm-hmm. and try it out. Okay. And when mm-hmm. people started doing that, they felt it and they were like, oh, this is what my body has been missing my yes. whole life. And I'm right. like, exactly. Right. So it's really something you have to feel. We always, you know, we try to explain it to people, but you have to, you have to feel it because, because it's so new. But yeah, so I decided to start the business. I mm-hmm. took my last and people say, really? Yes. Last $500. And I rented a little space that I shared with a real estate agent. I printed brochures from my computer and I started stretching people, literally. And that's how the business started. And a little small space, people felt it, they liked it, and they began to trust me and the method. So that's how we started. Well, how, do, how does that trust go from one franchise location to the next? You know, it's almost like when I go into McDonald's in Jersey or McDonald's in California, I want the same Big Mac. How do you maintain that that that, that authenticity, that, that 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 credibility, that the service I'm getting in location is going to be satisfactory to a client and your brand? Yes. So over the years, I um, constantly uh, did new things and talked mm-hmm. to new people. So we started getting more press, more articles about what we were doing, and so more and more people started coming. Um, we had a really big article in the New York Times and that's what really made it, you know, official, a big thing. And that's when people started inquiring about purchasing, um, locations for themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's when I started taking franchising seriously, like, oh yeah, I could help people and I could expand using the franchise system. So we hold a lot of trainings, monthly trainings. We do one-on-one calls because the magic sauce is the stretch. Right. So we constantly engage with our stretch coaches across the country, ensuring that they're following the method and that everybody's on the same page. But that's something we we focus a lot on because, as you said, we want people to stretch in California and have the <laughs> same experience that they would have in New Jersey. Well, yeah, in your opening, I said, Kika Wise is a businesswoman on a mission to educate millennials and other generations on how to preserve self and pursue franchising. How do you want to educate millennials? Whew. <laughs> how much time do we have? <laughs> Come on. It's your show so, now. It's your, it's your, show. I, it's I your want, moment. Okay. I think it's, it's happening now already. Mm-hmm. We were told to get a good job. Right. Um, work there your whole life, retire. Mm -hmm. So we all know that those systems are not the same as they once were. Pensions are not the same. So really for millennials, what I'm encouraging them is to think outside of the box and trust themselves. We've been trusting systems. We've been trusting our boss. We've been Mm -hmm. trusting major corporations to give us a job. What I'm really trying to get people to understand is that if you trust yourself and believe in yourself, you can become your own entrepreneur or your your own boss you can do it so trusting themselves is really what i'm trying to get people to do well first of all i, I always tell people if you don't trust yourself then how are you going to work hard and if you don't work hard then you want to achieve your the dreams and that's all tied to planning proper planning and you are a planner and i remember when we first interviewed when i first interviewed you you was talking about Rashawn. i really want I want uh, my stretch locations throughout this country. How does one franchise a location? I want to go to the, let's go, let's do, let's do marketing one-on-one now. How does one franchise a location that's growing rather rapidly, even during the pandemic? Yes. So 
you contact us first um, <laughs> if you want to franchise a location kikastretchstudios.com mm-hmm. um, but what is really happening out here is people are looking for ways to feel good and mm-hmm. so that's why we're still getting many people interested in purchasing um, a location for themselves because they're looking for a business that obviously will generate a profit but something that's long standing so when I first started I started during the recession in right. 2000. It was right after 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're in a pandemic. We're still thriving. <laughs> we're still we're still standing. So yeah. this is definitely something that will help people live their best lives. So um they we ask people to really question why you want to go into business yes. mm-hmm. and as long as it's for other people like you're you're in it to help people then we want to talk to you. Right. So what is what what do they have to have? I know they got to have good credit. Do they have to have a building? Do they have to have a location? Do they have to have a staff? Can it be a one-person operation? What are the qualifications or the standards to become to buy a franchise? So yes, many of our current franchisees have a corporate background, mm-hmm. so they're well organized. Um, mm-hmm. They're good with multitasking. Um, we look for people who um, are willing to work in the business right, in the right. beginning mm-hmm. and not just hand it off. It's mm-hmm. important for our owners to know what they're selling. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually. train you and help you find staff help you find a space we help you do everything so really all you need to come with is <laughs> work ethic right. um and just a passion to help people Pe- we look for people that have like great personalities mm-hmm. and and that's where we start our search well you know it's really important that you this interview process you know you just not just set passing out franchises to make money because that's your brand. So, you don't want the angry person or the uh get rich quick person trying to get in on your business because I want 10 of them. Here's the money. Next thing you know, that's 10 horrible brands that cuz guess what? All complaints going to come back to you. All complaints on hit your social media. All complaints on hit your hit your brand. So, it's always important to understand that yes, you want to expand. Yes, you want to make money. Yes, you want to be able to have your brain in an area that is up there with yoga and pilates you know those terminology you want kick a kick a stretch method to be in that same language out there but again don't come to me for stupidity don't come to me if you don't care about people don't come to me if you don't have time don't come to me if you don't want to be an active participant in the location you know what i'm saying just buy it give it to your mama buy it give it to your sister then you want them to generate money for you and neither one of them care about the product So, especially when the pandemic hit because that's when you said it was something you noted when you was talking you was talking about that was, that truly had to step up your leadership. When you say step up your leadership, what does that mean because or did you have to step it up because people just didn't have any it was just they were just lost for words or or you just feared that wow, these people could just collapse right in front of you and you have no no answer to make them become successful. Cuz you had a plan before the pandemic. Pandemic him your plan went out the window. It was plan B. <laughs> right. So, it was interesting <laughs> because um I was so I I was watching all of the governors in different right. um states speak and mm-hmm. I was so inspired by many of them like wow, just paying attention to how they um they motivated, encouraged the community but also how they dealt with negativity, right? right. Um and so I I understood that these new owners were at a very low place where they were afraid. And so I learned that you know, you just have to keep it real with people like we're all afraid, right? But this is what we're going to do. So kind of 
um, not acting as if I was immune to what was going on, mm-hmm. but letting them know that I'm human. I'm here with you, but this is what we're going to do. Right. And just believe, just trust me, right, <laughs> you right, know, right. and just moving forward, um, strong because like, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I trust that I know what I'm doing again, mm-hmm. trusting yourself. And mm-hmm. so I'm not going to steer you the wrong way and leading that way. But what you said about finding candidates, it's so true. I've had to turn down so many people who literally threw money at me, right. but didn't want to work in the business, was going to give it to a family member who never worked before. And so over the years, I've become <laughs> I've become really, really strict as far as who we let in, because that's the essence of your franchise people. Well, you know, because that's what happens. And I'm just being honest. A lot of franchises I've been uh, I've been associated with just through research and also talking to entrepreneurs, you know, people will sell them. They say, hey, you want it? You know, and a lot of maid services, uh, franchises will do that. They say, I'm buying this for my wife. I'm buying this for my daughter to try to get them in the business, get them in the entrepreneurial space. But does that mean that they understand it? Because in the end, it has to be a certain degree of education. What is that? What is that period of education that you have in place when you when you want somebody signs on board? Do, does the training start before they 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 they, they start paying making the payments for the for the franchising location or what's that period of training is it a month two months or how's that work or is it just day weekly weekly training yeah so we start um some people start as early as like three months before they actually open we start training them mm-hmm. um so we start training them in business in general right. um you know, like what type, what form of um, business entity should you form? Corporation, LLC, what's the difference? Bank account, um, how much money should you save? Um, Then we teach them on the method as well and also the stretching business. So three weeks is uh, usually the the least amount of time we'll do it in. Mm -hmm. But I always tell people like usually franchises are 10 year agreements. So I always tell people it's a 10 year learning process. And the moment you stop wanting to learn is the moment your business is going to go downhill. Because like you said, entrepreneurs are not born overnight. Like you can't just say, oh, I have an LLC. I'm a business owner. On paper you are, but in the real world, you're going to have to go through some stuff. So what we do is we try to tell you all the stuff you're going to go through. So when it comes, you're prepared for it and you handle it. And that's the benefit of being in a franchise system. You're not alone. And I can tell you what's going to happen and you'll be able to prepare for it. But it does require you to self-educate yourself Mm -hmm. on business. It requires you to read books on your own, to join local networking groups, because you really do have to grow your entrepreneur muscle when you decide to purchase a franchise. Well, you know, it's really important that everything you just said, I'm talking to Kika, Kika Wise, you know, she's the Kika Stretch Studios, 13 locations across this country and, you know, states of New Jersey, Georgia, Nevada, New York City, Pennsylvania, and the great state of California, Calabasas has a newest location, is a location in Atlanta, Georgia, that I will be visiting at the top of the year because guess what? New Year's resolutions. So New Year's resolution, that first quarter of the year, you're trying to change your life. You're trying to get refocused. This is the place to go. This is the, I'm talking to the finder. What words of inspiration, what motivational statements can you say to convince these people? Not only, this is a call not only about you selling franchises, but also inviting people down to the studios that are in the various locations throughout this country. What words are you have 
have five locations in New Jersey, one location I know in Atlanta, which is the state of Georgia. What other locations outside of that? You have another location that has multiple locations in the same state, or New Jersey is the only one that has five? So we actually have two in Georgia, uh, Vinings and Midtown. Oh, fine. I know Vinings. Oh, both locations are really good. Congratulations. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, we have the owner in our Nevada um, territory. He's adding another location within mm -hmm. the next few months. Mm -hmm. California, um, New York. We actually have someone who is going to open in Maryland um, the top of the new year. Mm -hmm. So we're excited about that. And yeah, I mean, words of inspiration, I would definitely say <laughs> invest in yourself. Right. Period. Like, period. Because we all, we've, we've gone through so much. Um, we've, this has just been such a tough time for everyone. And I think the lesson that we've all learned is that when it all comes down to it, we have all we have is ourselves. Right. We have to really focus on caring for ourselves before we can care for anyone else. So whatever that means to you, um, whatever you've always wanted to do that you've never done because you were busy doing other things for other people, right. invest in yourself first and then your life will open up. And that's so true. But understand this, when you invest in yourself, it entails hard work. If you invest and want to be an entrepreneur, there's two things happening. You can be an entrepreneur, in this case, a franchisor. A franchisor is really great because they kind of like give you the, the cookbook. They're there to help show you how to make the meal. But it still comes back to whether you have the passion to see it through because it is more than a 40-hour-a-week job. It may entail some days when you don't want to go to work to go to work. Some days you don't want to get up. Some people are going to call in sick on you. You have to do the work that they were supposed to do. So, so to go out there and want to be a business owner, that's why I enjoy talking to the individuals like you because it started from a dream, you know, in a small real estate office, your first, your last $500. Now it's a growing franchise model that you can share around the country. Any, any number of goals that you have for 2021? Are you going to try to get to 50 or 100 by year 2022? What's the, what's, what's the, what's the run here? Are we eventually going to see you on the stock market here? We're going to be able to buy stock for you, $5 kick a share. What, 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 what are we doing here now? I know you're, I know you're an entrepreneur now. You don't think small. That's what I love about you, you know. What is the big picture here? Am I going to be one day buying shares of your product? <laughs> Listen, if we go public, you'll be one of the first people oh, I text, okay? Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> you can't do it. You know what I mean, man? I, I will find you in one of your five locations in Jersey if you go public. Because I just know that you're, you're an innovator. And I, I enjoy uh, uh, talking to you. It was, it was so funny. I just let everybody know. She had, uh, she had accidentally dialed me. And I went, Kika, what's up? Uh, uh, I didn't mean to call you. I said, okay, great. What's well, no problem? <laughs> it really hurt my feelings right there. She could have said, hello, wish you a happy holiday. I didn't mean to call you, Rashad. I said, well, Kika, I've talked to you a long time. Let's get back on the show. Then she started telling me about her Calabasas location. I said, wow. She started telling me how she was, she was, she was, she was succeeding during the pandemic when there was every time you look on TV, it's one horrible story after the next horrible story after the next horrible story. And you in a, in a business that is close contact, which social distance can become an issue. And you're succeeding. And so 
So after that accidental phone call led to us getting back together to talk about this story, is we're gonna you know putting this out here and promoting you. You know I'm a big fan of yours. I just, I just tease you about that phone call because of the fact that you know God works in mysterious ways. You know it's like yeah. timing is everything, and we needed to talk to each other because of the fact that I'm proud of you as a, as a as a young entrepreneur, as a female African American. I think 2021 is going to be a year of the Black woman or the African American woman, and I think you're going to be one of the uh, frontier blazers uh, of that opportunity. So good luck and keep winning. Okay. And then anytime you make another accidental phone call, make it like every six months. Okay. Keep coming. <laughs> I'm going to call you every week now. Like, okay. <laughs> and I got to give definitely now that Viner's location is a great location too. And I've, I've been down to the Midtown location, which I thought was a fantastic, easy parking on the street. Very, 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 I met the owner. She was fantastic. Like I said, it was just COVID hit like the, the next week or so. They shut down this uh, state of Georgia as well as this country. So, but that doesn't stop the, the desire to be successful. And you are successful. And you've already said it on my show before you were public, Rashawn, I'm going to let you know. So, all right, there. Thank you for being the youngest franchiser in America. I appreciate you. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk Thank soon. You all so right. Much. Okay. Bye bye. We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money-Making Conversations. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Chris Paul. On the court, Chris Paul is a force to be reckoned with. Off the court, he's a father, husband, compassionate philanthropist, and businessman who makes a huge difference in his community by supporting many organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, Shoes That Fit, Vision to Learn, The Brotherhood Crusade, Leaps and Bounds, and Feed the Children. You know, there's so many people who have helped me get to where I am today that, you know, it's, it's paying it forward and just trying to teach and educate, especially the youth. I wanted to do as much as I could and do my part just because, you know, we all are people. It's a big family. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who are genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is a Houstonian. I'm from Houston, so I'm always happy to bring on a fellow Houstonite onto the show. It's Chris Gaston. Chris Gaston finally founded Family First Sports Firm with his wife in 2019. The agency, Family First, focuses on empowerment, economic growth, and black excellence. The agency represents DeAndre De'Aaron De- 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 Fox mm-hmm. of the, uh, that's just correct, I said it, right? Yeah, De'Aaron De- Fox. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings. Gaston has signed the largest contract in the Sacramento Kings franchise history, five years, $163 million. And then secured a $4 million deal for Damian Dotson, former U of H grad. That's why I went to school. And the toughest free agent market in NBA history. He's now with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He originally started out the New York Knicks. Gaston made his way in the industry through player development, working with many of the top players in the NBA, college, and high school. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, a man who understands relationships, Mr. Hmm. Chris Gaston. Yes, sir, man. Well, man, pleasure to have me, man. Didn't know you was a Houston native, so it's always good <laughs> talking to a fellow Houston guy. You know, we're very proud. You know, we wear that that H symbol on our on our hearts, man. Wherever we go. Well, you have to. You know, I, I'll also be broadcasting on KTSU, so this show will be airing on okay. KTSU in the Houston market on uh, every Tuesday. 
from 12 to 1. So I make sure this episode airs in the Houston market. So, you know, again, you have a brand that you develop. And I, I, I started that out by saying relationships. Because when you talk about working with NBA players or top college players in NBA college and high school, talk mm-hmm. about your journey right quick, Chris, because everybody wants to be an agent. But you can be an agent. But if you don't have the relationships, then you don't right. have talent to sign to these big deals that we just talked about in your opening credits. Man, being an agent is all about relationships, man. And, you know, these relationships don't happen. It's just like building trust. You can't build trust overnight. So these relationships are 10, 15, 20 years in the making. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not an overnight success. Right. You know, I, I started, man, I, I grinded from the bottom. You know, right. I started working out high school girls. Mm-hmm. You know, then I was blessed enough that, you know, a guy that I called, you know, like my little brother, a guy by the name of Tommy Mason Griffin. Mm-hmm. Been knowing him since he was in the second and third grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I started working with him and he turned out to be a McDonald's All-American, you know, out of Madison High School, right. the same high school I went to. And mm-hmm. um, it kind of snowballed from there, man, to just working guys out, um, started an AAU program, thought I wanted to be a college coach. That didn't work <laughs> out. And it just it kept growing and growing. I just kept grinding and grinding. This is, you know, this is years and years of relationships to get to this point. So, you know, everybody wants to be a Rich Paul or a Jeremy Bryant, and they could just wake up overnight and take a test, become an agent. No, it's not that simple, man. Well, if Rich Paul easy, had, the, uh, he had the ultimate relationship that's uh, called LeBron James. And that's a, yeah. him, Maverick, and uh, LeBron. That's a great story about uh, right. black men who started out in high school, who built a uh, sports empire, a media empire, and a uh, philanthropic. Uh, empire. Uh, as we all know, LeBron was very influential in the uh, movement and civil rights unrest that, uh, civil unrest that happened this summer, as well as the getting out to vote. And so, how does that play into your agency? Because we talk about your agency, it focuses on empowerment, economic mm-hmm. growth, and black excellence. Let's start with the empowerment part. Well, the empowerment is, first, I have to empower myself. Yes. <laughs> because people that look like me, that walk and talk like me, that wear their hair in you know any type of style they want, mm-hmm. they don't get opportunities in this business. They're right. stereotyped. They're judged. It's just hard. Like, you know, majority of the men on the court, players on the court, are African-American or minorities. But majority of the business that happens off the court, people handling these guys' careers are white men. And right. it's just lopsided. And, you know, I've been hell-bent on changing that and giving – you know, all minorities and women a chance and empowerment in this business. So um, I'm not slant to hiring one person or another, but I, I but I do. I am big on hiring minorities and people who normally wouldn't get a chance to work in this industry. That's very important. to me. I can I can relate to you. You know, I, I manage yep. Steve Harvey, my background, Steve Harvey, talents like Steve Harvey doesn't get associated with talents like me, which right. means that people of color. I currently manage Stephen A. Smith, a, a high profile a person in the media, especially on the NBA mm-hmm. side with ESPN and yep. negotiated contracts. So it's all that part about negotiating, being in that doorway, being able to look at individuals that are represented by uh, majority firms. When I say majority firms like CAA, uh, William Morris, or UTA, and uh, other other sports agencies that, are, that get out there and get the athlete first. And then usually what happens, they have the ability to court them longer. It especially right. happens in the football industry. But also in the basketball industry, a little bit different because of the fact that there's a nurturing process, AAU pro- programs, or IMG kind of setting it up where they got people, they got you go down there and participate in their camps. So, But you got in with Mr. Fox, who's out of Houston, and yes, Damian Dotson, who went to University of Houston. Yep. 
So these are two people who are Houston based. Talk about how you establish your relationship with uh, Fox because they also were two talented twins out of uh, the Houston market that Harrison also went twins. to, they went to Kentucky. And, uh, and a lot was expected of those two young men, uh, you know, because they were they were much of ballyhooed. In fact, they were, they were even more ballyhooed than uh, De'Aaron was when he came out. And De'Aaron, when they oh, came, yeah, these guys, they had all the hype around them. But I can't speak. I don't know specifically what happened with those guys. I mean, they were great players. It's just, mm -hmm. I mean, the NBA is hard. It just didn't pan out for those guys. But as far as my relationship with, with Damian Dyson, he's actually family. Um He's my wife's cousin. So I met him when I first started dating my wife when Damien was back in sixth, sixth or seventh grade. Right. <laughs> but he was just, yeah, he was just with me everywhere. He wasn't a big time prospect or like mm -hmm. you said, a ballyhoo recruit. He was a guy we just put our head down and went to work every day. We grinded. I mean, we went, he went through some trials and tribulations at Oregon mm -hmm. at the transfer to the University of Houston. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, my relationship with De'Aaron Fox started when he was in the eighth grade. I had my own AAU program and one of my friends that was going to be his coach at the high school said, uh, you should have come let this kid play for a tournament on your 17 and under program. I'm like, I'm not letting no eighth grade kid come play with these juniors and seniors. They're like, no, you should let him come play. He's going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I let him come play one tournament and that was all she wrote. You know, <laughs> we've been attached, attached at the hip ever since. Mm -hmm. And I say that's the difference between me and Rich Paul. A lot of people try to compare us. Rich Paul, per se, was these guys' peers and kind of grew up with them and hung out with those guys. Mm -hmm. You know, me and Darren, we weren't peers. I was a, I was a man. He was a child. You know, mm -hmm. I was more of a mentor, a big brother. Mm -hmm. And now, obviously, that he's older, we grew into a, a different type of relationship. But I wasn't some guy hanging out at the club with him and calling and texting him. Like, no, I was a professional businessman. Like, this wasn't like, you know, some homeboy hookup type stuff, like. But, it, it's, but it's all right about trust, though. Side. It's all about trust because you started earlier. You know, when I, when I started reading your resume, Chris, you know, because, mm -hmm. you know, coaching, uh, a lot of discipline in your life, a lot of development, a lot of motivation comes yes, out sir. of your resume, you know, when I look at it. And let's talk mm -hmm. about, let's walk through these steps because I'm not trying to uh, bash anybody on this show when I talk about the Harrison twins because, mm -hmm. but that's how this business is. You, you, you can come out. Much ballyhoo. They went to Kentucky, had an incredible career, but then flaws in their game started to pop up. You know, right. could they could they handle the rock? Who's what position is he going to play? Does he right. play good deep? But when I looked at Fox's game, I remember when he played against uh, Ball, who was much ballyhooed out of UCLA, and there was mm -hmm. much talk after he clowned him. I mean, he clowned <laughs> Ball, you know, in the, in the tournament. That okay, it's Ball. A Fox should go, as we see now, Fox should have went number two and right. not Ball, who's been a very competent player. But again, hype can. How do you slice through the hype? Because I remember emotionally I was really charmed by by uh, De'Aaron when he was crying on TV after that loss. After you know, loss. I was really – Well, man, with hype, we, we try to block out the noise, man, mm -hmm. because there's going to be so many people in your ears, so many people telling you how good you are. Right. We always want more, man. Darren's dad and his mom, they did a great job of keeping him up. Absolutely. Humble, I remember after his fresh in his freshman year in high school, Darren had a fifty-two point game. Fifty-two right. points. Mm -hmm. And all his dad was fussing about after the game was uh, you missed these rebounds, you missed these loose <laughs> balls, you missed these free throws. Let's go to the gym tonight and shoot free throws. Right. So it's about keeping keeping, you know, and it's hard to stay humble when you're getting all these press clippings, all these rankings and stuff. So that's why you're your supporting circle, your people around you, your family, 
they are very crucial to a player's development. You got to keep these guys humble, you know. To your point, the Harrison twins had a lot of hype, and um, I mean, it just didn't work out. I mean, the NBA is hard business. Like I said, they got nitpicked when they got to Kentucky. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of question marks about their game, mm -hmm. and it just didn't work out. But, you know, you but have to stay humble. You have to block out the noise. You cannot get caught up in the hype. I've seen a, the number one pick, Anthony Bennett, in 2013. is out of the NBA now. So I tell people, don't get caught up in the rankings or what pick you go. The job is to get in the league and stay in the league, you know. Well, you know, some, and, some and, people, and, they get and, too caught up in the rankings and who's what, but we don't get caught up in that. We don't well, follow well, that. The, the thing about it, so so with that being said, because that's 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 De'Aaron, okay? Here's a guy, Bunch Belly Hoop. And then you go to mm -hmm. Damian Dotson. You yep. know, when he left U of H, you know, uh, and he made the New York Knicks team. I was doing mm -hmm. tough defense, and he has a good outside shot, good three-point. Yep. So he had – talk about that process because that was a different motivation process because Fox was a lottery pick, so a certain amount yep. of guarantees. You know, he wasn't going to get cut his first year. Right. We knew that. Right. But Damien yep. went in, talk about that process and getting him on the New York Knicks, and now he's over at Cleveland now. But I was so proud because he was – he's a really talented NBA player. Right. Well, with Damien, you know, we have a motto, man. All we know is work. You know, dream big, <laughs> work hard, let God right. do the rest. And right. so that was kind of our motto. Mm -hmm. You know, we're gonna put we're gonna work as hard as we can and wherever the chips may fall, we're gonna we're gonna be happy with that. Right. So his process was very different. Coming out of the University of Houston, there were no guarantees. Mm -hmm. We packed our bags and went to LA. We started training. Mm -hmm. He had to go to the uh camp called the Portsmouth Invitational, the PIT, which is for the top seniors in the country. Absolutely. And he went there. He balled out. He mm -hmm. won MVP of the tournament. And mm -hmm. from there, he got invited to the Chicago Combine, which mm -hmm. is for the top 60 uh, prospects in the NBA draft. He played well there. Mm -hmm. um, and he, we had several NBA workouts lined up for him. He played. He did. I mean, each step, he knocked it out the park. And mm -hmm. I mean, it was a grind. It's grueling. It's mentally taxing. But he's built for this, man. And, you know, that's the reason why he's sticking in the NBA today, because he just has that fortitude to, to fight through adversity. Let's let's talk about that. The sticking in the NBA. These guys are giving a lot of money mm -hmm. to to. How do you, you know? And I'm, I'm a guy, you know. I'm a financier, you know. I, I my name, my show, money making conversations, and so <laughs> I always believe that some of these young men should just be. They could be able to, the money they make their first year should be put in a fund where they can just be deliver live a lifestyle of comfort. For the rest of their right. for the rest of their life, really, it can't be done that way. How right. do you deal with these situations from a financial standpoint? You're the agent now. There are different lanes out there. I would just let everybody know: an agent yep. lane, there's a financial lane, there's a branding person, there's a talent agent. There's a lot of different lanes. What all does your firm encompass? Well, my firm, we come, we handle marketing endorsements, actually contract negotiations. Uh, we do have several different business managers and financial advisors we work with. We don't pick the person for them. We let those guys interview those mm -hmm. guys and pick them. But we do have a few guys that we trust. And, um, you know, those guys are on the budget. And at the end of the day, when people say they point fingers, you're the reason is why God went. At the end of the day, it's all on the player. You can yes. advise them to do, don't do X. The financial advisor can tell them, hey, this is your budget. But at the end of the day, it's their money. And they're going to do what they want to do with their money. So it's up to them to take the advice from the financial advisor, from the business manager, and stay within their budget, stay within reason. Because like these guys are making a lot of money. They can live a comfortable lifestyle and not go crazy. Let me ask you and this. The way a lot of guys go broke, honestly, is not by buying. You really can't. 
if you're making $30 million a year, you're not going to go broke buying a couple Bentleys and Ferraris. The right. way people go broke, honestly, is loaning out money. That adds up going to the club um, in investments. You know, everybody's coming to with these million-dollar ideas, and it sounds good, but that's the way a lot of players that went broke is investing their money in, in the wrong things. Yeah, investing their money in, in the car washes, investing their money yep. in nightclubs, investing their money in movie ideas. I know that. I've been in the business a long time. I've seen this money flow out. Everybody wants to be a rapper. Everybody wants a sound studio. Everybody hears that, yep. that final product. You know, say, hey, man, this person here is going to be the next, you know, next next but that doesn't mean right. that's a reality and so when right. i look at talent like yours that you are that's where the father figure comes in that's where the maturity comes in like you said you are a man and you're a man who's a who's benefited from watching people make these mistakes and also player development let's talk through right. these let's walk through these player development steps that you talk about and these camps you put in place right so my bread and butter when I got in the business was player development, you know, a.k.a. working guys out training. And I never just call it training. I call it player development because we were doing more than just working out. Mm -hmm. We're building a relationship. We're talking about life. We're talking about girls, God, school. Mm -hmm. So that's why I say player development instead of training. Mm -hmm. Training is a word I feel they use to put you in a box where, like, this is all you can do. Right. But um, player development, that was my bread and butter, man. I studied it. I, I learned it from, you know, one of my mentors is a guy by the name of Ansar Elamine. He's a look. Not many people know him. <laughs> Matter of fact, he's a, he's a head coach at a, a small NIA school in Florida. But he's one of my mentors. He's kind of like a hoops whisperer. He was kind of a training guru, man. I learned mm -hmm. a lot from him. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where I cut my teeth at, just on the floor working guys out and I didn't take it for granted. You know, each player that I had in the gym, whether you were a high school kid or an NBA player, you know, I would go home, study your game, watch film and break it up. And I'll be up all night and studying, trying to see how can I make this player? How can I elevate his game? What can I do? Yeah, it's really so that's, interesting. That's why I really cut my teeth. Is on, you know, because I, I want to talk about that out. because, you know, I, I'm just going to tell you, Chris, I thought I was a hoopster. I thought I had game. You know, I, I was so arrogant. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I was all park, as they say, because I never played high school ball, but I was all park, you know, Fundy. It was all YMCA, huh? Oh, come on, no. Fundy, you know, I go down to McGregor Park. I had all the, the, the best black parks back in the day. I was there. I walked yep. on the court, you know, I was first pick. First pick on the sideline, Rashad. Come on. <laughs> I want you. I want you. But then I was stupid, too, because I didn't understand the fundamentals of the game. I didn't right. understand the – and that's that's what we're talking about right now because I, one thing I've learned when you play street balls, yes, there were players out there that were probably better than the King Elijah ones. There are players out there that probably out-jump Dominique Wilkins. Right. They're probably physically better than LeBron James. I don't or, know about that. You might be going too far with it, man, but I get your point. What you saying? No, 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 no. Come on, now. There's some really talented guys on the on the on the on the. Let's just go be real, Chris. On the streets. Come on, let's go be real, Chris. I'm talking about street ball. I'm talking about hitting these parks. It's some guys out there, man, that can leap. It's some guys out there can do like like they had that contest that was on TNT. All these guys who could dunk. Oh, they can dunk a ball. They can do 360s. They can flip the ball over the back, but they can't play the game. And that's what I'm getting at with me. I was talented, but I couldn't play the game. I didn't understand that player development part of that you were talking about, working with a team. That's why I say, I, that's what I'm saying is that you understood it. And that's what you're doing. That, that, like you said, that basketball whisperer, being able to right. articulate what make, what, what the next step for different players. How do you get in their head and how do we, 
eventually listen to you. They do they learn from the little notes that you give them? They say, oh, that makes sense because that's a whole it's that's just, a huge trust. It's factor. just the little nuances, man. Some mm-hmm. some guys. I never raise my voice. I never yell. Right. I rarely cur- curse. You mm-hmm. know, some guys like to scream and yell and get over here. You know me. I just talk to them. I, right. just, I literally mm-hmm. talk to them and, right. you know, break stuff down. Hey, did you see the way Giannis did a one, two into his pull up? We right. want to do the same thing. You know, he'll, well, I say a little phrase like, you know, he'll toe, explode into your jump shot. Mm-hmm. Or, and, you know, elementary things, hand in the cookie jar when you're yeah. shooting. Or <laughs> make sure when you're crossing over, get your shoulder to the defender's hips. Just little key points mm-hmm. that when they start playing, they can hear they, my voice in their head. Oh, I'm right. about to go by this guy. Let me make sure I get low, protect the ball. It's just little small nuances. Right. It's nothing crazy and over the top. It's just being a heck. And the main thing for these guys to trust you is you got to have a relationship with them. Right. They don't have a relationship with you. They're not going to trust you with their most precious thing, which is the basketball, with, which is with their game. Okay, so cool. I think that's a lot of people miss out on the relationship part. Okay, cool. Those are the best coaches. They have a relationship with their players. Right. Players are run through a brick wall for them. Right. You know? Now, we talked about empowerment. Sorry. Let's go to economic growth. Let's talk about that from your firm. I'm talking to Chris Gaston. He has an amazing company out of Houston, Texas. It was founded in 2019 with his wife called Family First Sports Firm. Talk, we talked about empowerment at your firm. Let's talk about economic growth. Yeah, I didn't hear the last part. You cut off. I, I apologize. As we were talking about your firm, you know, that you founded in 2019 called Family yes, First Sports Firm. We talked about empowerment. Let's talk about the economic growth that you deal with your players. Right. Well, one thing we want to do is we want to put the dollar black back in the uh, black community. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we, we want to invest in small businesses. We want to support um, young entrepreneurs. We want to get, like I said, we want to we're a voice for the unheard. We want to speak for the unheard, man. Right. And it's not saying we're not going to deal with big companies and stuff. I mean, we got to deal with Nike. We got we do deals with Red Bull. So that's not to say we're not dumb. We're not stupid. Right. When we say economic growth, we want to put the dollar black in, back in the black community. You know, right. we want these players to help their family out, but do it in a way that's going to create growth. Not just say, man, mama, here go $100,000. Right. Like, no, mama, <laughs> we're going to. Create a company or yeah. a S Corp or an LLC. You're going to be, you know, create a foundation and grow it. You know, not just here goes some money. Like, no, take this money and multiply it. You know, right. make it times 10, you know, 10x and grow it into something else. So that's what we mean when we say economic growth. Just teaching these players financial literacy and, you know, financial and, growth. And that's where so many, not just in basketball, but in all sports, the financial literacy part fails so many because they don't have mentors. Because I consider you a mentor, too, to these young men, yep. because as, as well as a, a, an agent representative. So black excellence, you know, I, I hear black excellence throughout your voice. I hear the ability to give back to the black community. That's all part of the empowerment. Now, we right. went through a, a very amazing season that happened this year because of COVID-19 and civil unrest. We saw mm-hmm. the actual NBA walk off the court. Based, right. based on the, the incident that happened in Milwaukee. How did your players deal with that? And how did you deal with it, Chris? Um, it was a very emotional time. Uh, as you know, Damian Dotson, he went to Yates High School, which is yes. the, he grew up in the same neighborhood, same high school as George Floyd. Mm-hmm. So that hit close to home. And, you know, Stephen Jackson, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He's one of the people I started in the business, one of the first NBA players I started working out. Uh, you know, the, he was very close to George Floyd. I mean, they mm-hmm. called each other twins. So, that, I mean, that hit home for us. That hit close to home. 
Mm-hmm. And um, actually, one of the players that I knew from Yates High School, George Floyd was his cousin, which I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so that hit close to home. So we participated in the marches in Houston. Um, Fox, you know, we went up and flew up to Sacramento, participated in, in peaceful protests. And I say peaceful because, you know, we weren't the ones rioting and looting. But that's mm-hmm. a story for another day. But mm-hmm. we partic- uh, participated in uh, peaceful protests in Sacramento. And um, we just got, encouraged our players to vote and speak out on any issues. Fox mm-hmm. is very vocal on um, his issues. And uh, even, he even wore anti-racist on the back of his jersey in the bubble. Mm-hmm. You know, so all our players are very outspoken and, you know, very vocal about the movement um, that was, that's going on. Now, that's really important because of the fact that, the, the, you know, social media plays a role in that, you know, because you have to be conscious of social media can be uh, a double-edged sword. You know, you can post the wrong thing and then all of a sudden people criticizing for you, post the right thing and get, increase the engagement that you want. What, right. what, 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 what message are you trying to allow your players to, to put out there? Like, say, you, you talked about community involvement. You talked about black excellence. You talked about economic growth. We talk about empowerment. But mm-hmm. what in your company, you know, because you say family first. What does that mean when you say family first? Family first is exactly what it means. Your family is first. Now, just like a real family, you're not going to always disagree. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, I mean, excuse me, you're not going to always agree. You're right. not always going to be on the same page. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all love. You know, we all in it together for the coming for the coming good. So that's exactly what it means. And family first means, you know, empowering your people. Mm-hmm. It's OK to grow with the people that got you to where you are. You know, in most agencies, most companies, I see guys make it to a certain status and then the agency takes it from there. Like, okay, we got it from here now, you know. Right. Uh, your, your youth coach, your AAU coach, your mama, your daddy, you know, they helped you get to this point, but now they're done. You know, we got it from here. Right. Now, now obviously the player is going to grow and they're not going to be as dependent upon their family and um, things of that nature. But we still try to do things to make sure that the family is important. Like when Darren signed his uh, max contract, you know, we had a big, it's a picture on Instagram, we had a big family celebration right. <laughs> in, in Houston, you know, all black attire. Mm-hmm. There's probably over 30 people there, mm-hmm. you know, so, and we, you know, we celebrated together as a family, not me and Darren in a private room by ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. popping a bottle. No, we celebrated with everybody that was important in his life. You know, we celebrated that together. That was an accomplishment for everybody because it takes a village. Well, it takes a village, but it also lives in a different city, Sacramento. And he's born and raised in uh, Houston, Texas. How does that allow him to be the person he wants to be? Because Sacramento is a much smaller environment as far mm-hmm. as uh, population. It's not as, I want to say, uh, African-American friendly as the, right. the city of Houston is. So how does he deal with that, Mr. Fox? Um, he's a very smart dude. He's a very cultural dude. And like I say his parents have done a mm-hmm. great job of keeping him grounded. Mm-hmm. His mom has a foundation, Foxhole Family Foundation, that supports breast cancer awareness because she's a breast cancer survivor. I read about that. Yes, I And do. the dad started the AAU team, Team Fox, you know, mm-hmm. for seven and eighth graders. Mm-hmm. So that keeps him connected to the city of Houston. That keeps mm-hmm. him grounded. He comes back and supports the AAU program, comes back to tournaments. He comes back to events that his mom's doing. So that keeps him very connected and tied to the city of Houston. Now, your firm. You have two athletes we continue to have talked about. How do you recruit future athletes? Or I know, first of all, you can't reveal certain things on this show. But how do you go about recruiting the next Damian Dotson, the next De'Aaron Fox? Right. Well, I said, I want to leave my other two guys out as well. I have two guys that are currently in the NBA, Fox and Dotson. I have one former NBA player who spent uh, four years in the NBA, Eric Moreland. 
he actually won a ring with the Toronto Raptors. He's currently playing in China. Mm-hmm. And then I also represent Josh Nebo, who's a rookie, who he decided not to uh, try the NBA or the G League route. He's playing in Israel right now. Mm-hmm. So I have two guys playing international and two guys that are currently in the NBA. And high guard ball recruiting is all about relationships, man. I don't do a lot of time wasting. I don't just DM random guys like, hey, come, hey, what's, up, what's your name? <laughs> right, right. I have a lot of relationships. Right. Uh, built all over the country through mm-hmm. AU coaches and mm-hmm. high school coaches, college coaches. And I just reach out to my contacts. I kind of check the board and see who would be a good fit. Right. And then I, you know, I reach out to the necessary people, you know. Now I've heard about the, the European, the China, the Israel. Let's talk about those because that's, that's, that's a, that's a, it's some, it's some players that play their entire their life. In fact, you know, uh, Stefan Marbury went over to China and became the, the biggest talent that he ever was in the U.S. So yep. let's talk about, before we wrap up, I don't want to, uh, we have the G League, of course, that's tied to the NBA. And the NBA is also saying they're allowing veterans to come into the NBA, the G League this year, something they weren't doing in the past. And so right. now let's talk about going overseas, the benefits of going overseas, and also it not being like a, a death kill to your career. Well, Going overseas, you got to make a conscious choice. It's like, man, I'm, I'm not chasing that NBA dream no more. If it happens, it happens. Mm-hmm. But now I want to make money, and I'm trying to feed my family. Yes. So the G League is for guys that are still chasing the NBA dream because you're getting paid minimal money. But it's mm-hmm. like, man, I'm one step away from the NBA. I'm going to keep chasing it. Mm-hmm. And I tell young guys that's kind of on the edge, hey, give yourself a chance. Go to the G League for two or three years while you're still young, 21, 22, 23. After two or three years, you got to do you know, you got to make a business decision and go right. ahead and, you know, try to build a financial future for you and your family. And so that's what Eric Moreland did. He he played in the NBA for four or five years. He won a championship. And now he's making, you know, last year he made seven figures in China. And this year he's making high six figures. So he's he's doing really well for himself. Now, that's really what it's all about. You know, in the end, it's about, uh, you know, you let's, 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 let's move back to NBA name. It's a business. It's like, mm. I, you know, I, I have a job. You have a job. Okay, the NBA playing basketball, that's your skill. You know, some people are engineers. Some people are artists. Some people are teachers. Some people are doctors. They right. play basketball for a living. So China and Israel gives them an opportunity to do what they are skilled best to do, to play basketball, put the ball in the hole. So right. that's what we're talking about right now. It's, it's the business side, and don't get caught up into, man, if I don't make an NBA, man, I, what am I going to do? Well, you can do a lot. You can go overseas and make a, a profitable living, especially and then when you look at the WNBA, the women over there, they make more money in the European leagues than they make yep. in the WNBA league. And so, and, and what did you say earlier? You said you play at the parks and funding. How much did you get paid to do that? I was all park free. <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna tell these guys, y'all will be at home playing for free anyway. So don't right. don't get it twisted. Like right. this is a great living to wake up and play basketball every day. And that's why y'all I want... be at the YMCA and the local yes. boys and girls club playing for free anyway because you love the game. That's why so I want not to... forget it. You're getting paid to do something that you love. That's why I wanted to bring you on the show because of the fact that you know we 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 know about the rich pauls out there and the other agencies out there. But I've been first of all, you're in Houston. I wanted to shine light on you at being in Houston. And plus, mm-hmm. you're a real dude. I did my back. Ground on you, Rashad. They said, "Let's go, Chris. He keeps it real. 
You know, he is who he is. And, uh, and, and, and he's, he's been fortunate and blessed to be attached to very talented guys who are playing in the NBA. But like I said, I only brought up Damien's, Dean, you know, Damien's name and De'Aaron's name because it was part of your bio that was sent over to me. Right. The most fascinating part of your relationship are the two players that are playing in China and playing in Israel because it goes back to the business side of the game, the business side of the industry. You know, Kobe Bryant's dad. Kobe was born in Italy. The reason he was born in Italy because his dad was playing in Italy. Man, and so overseas, this yeah. is not something short-term going overseas. It's not a negative spirit. A lot of players are, are bypassing high school and playing in Australia, playing yep. overseas instead of saying, I'm going to a G League or I'm going to give up my one year in college. I'm going to go play with some grown men. Right. And that's what it's all about. So what's yep. the future of Family First Sports Firm, my friend? Uh, everybody always asks me that. I'm like, be honest, wherever God leads me, man, um, I'm taking it day by day, climb by climb. Um, I have a lot of new exciting things that yes. I can't announce yet, but that are going to be you know, coming pretty soon, some new groundbreaking things that I don't think no other agency has that are doing. So I'm always thinking outside of the box, mm -hmm. and I was thinking, how can I be different? You know, while the whole industry is going right, I want to make sure I'm going to left, make sure I'm going the opposite way. And, you know, every client, every player is not going to be for family first. This is for people who believe in themselves and who are confident and who are about empowerment and you know you know some people want the comfort of man i'm going to caa or rock nation you know they got the big name but there's some people that's like man you know i want to be groundbreaking yes. i want to be different yes. i want to go on a roster where you know i'm just a name on the on the wall i'm one of 40 clients right you know i want to go somewhere i'm gonna get individualized attention and where i'm going to be an important key piece well i like what you said individualized attention because that's yes, what sir. you get when you go to these big agents and you don't get, I apologize, you don't get. You can be yes, uh, a forgotten piece if you don't get the contract. They won't nurture your next step. And that's what uh, you do at your firm. And I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversations. Share your story. And I'm proud of you, man. And uh, anytime these little... You know, these look these the projects that you want to announce, please come on Money Made Conversation. What I like okay. to do, this is what I like to do, Chris. And next time, let's bring your wife on the show too. Because okay. she For helped sure, you found this firm. Sure. And so I love doing that power couple uh, uh interviews. And so next time you come on the show, let's bring her on the show and talk about her contributions to why this company was founded in 2019. But more importantly, Use me as a, a legitimate sounding board to put your brands out there, ideas you have out there. If you want your clients interviewed on my on the show, as you can see, I'm a major player in the platform world. I get the biggest talent. In the <laughs> I world like that word, a major player. I'm a major player, man. You know, in, 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 uh, in the <laughs> high like game. That. When people start asking me, what are, you, what are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm a major player in the business. That's what I do. <laughs> there I you like go. That. Come on, Chris. Well, Chris, we talk soon, brother. I appreciate okay, you, man. Okay, man. Really appreciate you, man. And I, I love your talent, man. That, that Fox kid, man. I was sold on when he dropped those tears. And uh, Damien, when he made the Knicks, I said, brother, that's hard work and a lot of blessings, man. Hey, so dude, we got winning. real dudes, man. We got real people in our company, real dudes. So man. next time, so tell your wife, you. you're coming on the show with you, okay? All right. All right. Stay strong, brother. My next guest, he's here, straight out of Houston, Texas. That's where I was born and raised. My next guest is Kenny Lord. Kenny Lord is CEO, president, and visionary of Tava Lifestyle, a direct sales wellness company. Tava Lifestyle is a global network marketing company offering health and wellness products, including nutritional supplements, energy enhancement, and more. Kenny started Tava Lifestyle with the mission to change lives by helping individuals earn an additional income, all while living a healthy and active lifestyle. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation, an HBCU man. 
Tennessee State University. Kick Big Hey, <laughs> <laughs> kid, I, I got to kick that off, man, because I was doing your bio. And HBCUs have been getting so much love, man, and uh, during this pandemic time. It's really long overdue. And because now people are starting to understand the value of HBCUs, even though they're, 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 they're the little, they started out of racism. We all know that's why they're in the southeast part of the country. Tell us about the TSU experience, which is uh, Tennessee State University, because they got another TSU down in Houston called Texas Southern University. Tell us about TSU up there in Tennessee. Well, let's, talk, let's talk about the real TSU. But you know what, man? Okay. Let, me, let me tell you something, man. Um, I'm, and I'm glad you asked me that question because mm-hmm. it is a – and I was talking to somebody about this the other day, man. Mm-hmm. Like, the HBCU experience, man, is, is was an incredible experience. It yes, was sir. the best time of my life. And I say that because, of course, life is good now. But it was a time in my life, man, where the only responsibility I had was to, was to get out of school. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and look, man, it, it was a time where instructors really cared about you, man. If they saw you getting off track, you weren't just a number where they would expel you or suspend you. Mm-hmm. They pulled you to the side like you were their son right. you know, or daughters, man. Right. And then the people that you meet, man, all, man, listen, I swear, man, I have friends all over the world that I swear when we were in wow. school, you would have sworn that they weren't going to be worth a dime. But <laughs> these people are, I mean, they are helping shape communities, mm-hmm. cities, states, and the world. I mean, man, so, man, I, I love it, man. When I go back to homecoming, there's nothing like it, man. So, man, I would tell anybody that it is a great experience, and I, I would never discount it when you're thinking about where you should go because you're building friends that live, live you know, last a lifetime. We know you're out of Detroit, so you know I know you know how to dress. You know, if you're out of Detroit, that's kind of like part of the uh, the game plan. You know, I've, I've been up Detroit many times with Steve Harvey out there wearing our suits, wearing our gaiters, wearing our hats, all part of the structure. Being that you grew up in a community that is so urban, which is Detroit, talk about when I look at the. I want to say that the, the way you see social unrest today, and you know, we've been dealing with that all our life, Kenny, both you and I, we're over 60. And so we've had our different layers of racism, but we never let our color stop our ambition, even though we know we have more value than they told us we had value. Talk about the challenges of going through life, growing up in a community or a city like Detroit and the impact of what you're seeing happen today with uh, racial unrest, young people's finally realizing there is racism. You know, it's, it's, it's deep, man. That's a deep question. I, I will tell you, I think my biggest experience, because as you know, you know, my father was the first African-American mm-hmm. to play in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame, he coached the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to say that we were insulated from racism because, of course, you know, athletes, they don't experience the same level right. of racism that ordinary people do, right? right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say that because I lived in Detroit and because my father was a head coach or an athlete that I right. didn't experience, Detroit is a different culture. You know, mm-hmm. the city of Detroit itself, I, I don't want get, to become get political, <laughs> but you did hear the president refer to Detroit, you know, in a kind of not so savory way, okay? Right, right, right. Because he knew what, what the population was, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's the kind of town, man, that was insulated because the 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 blacks in in that in that city of Detroit, man, was some very sharp people, man. Like mm-hmm. you take somebody like Coleman Young, man. Right. Man, wow. Coleman, look, man, Coleman Coleman took that city to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. You hear me? Mm-hmm. I mean, like Coleman Young was a very strong 
black man. Um, for me, all I can do is speak from my perspective. You know, they used to say that it takes a village to raise a child, right? Right. Right. Well, I, I was raised, man, I had the benefit of being raised because of my father and my mother, because uh -huh. my mother has a PhD, you know, and they worked hard, man, to put us in a, in, a, in a right environment, right? You know, I don't make excuses for how I was raised, okay? Right. right. Now, the thing is that I wasn't raised in a village, man. I was raised in a kingdom because I was <laughs> I had the benefit of being surrounded by, by black men mm -hmm. that were uh, great husbands, right. great fathers. right. They were great in their communities, man. Right. They were politicians. They were attorneys, physicians, mm -hmm. um, entertainers, mm -hmm. you know. And they cared about giving back to the young, to the young blacks. They really cared about it, man. It was, I mean, it was embedded in them, man. Like they would give us lessons, and they would instill upon us. And they had the right to even implement corporal punishment, man. The, the, the slap us, or spank us, or shake us up if we were disrespectful. Right. But see. That don't exist anymore. You know why? Mean. Because there are not a lot of kings in our communities left, man, that care about the young men. Right. You know, these young men are being raised by women who do who are doing the best they can. Right. And they're doing a great job. Right. But we know that I don't want to get, I don't know if I'm opening up the door, man, but you know, it's hard for a woman to raise a man. Right. You mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm not to say that it can't be done because I've seen it done, right? Right. right. But we know that a man's influence upon a young boy right. is very important, man. Right. You know, they it is, it's very important. They respond to us, you know, like my my youngest son, all my, my I have two sons, man. Right. They respond to me a little differently than they respond to their mother. Absolutely. All right. Because mm -hmm. I'm old school, right? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't believe in it. You can call family services if you want, boy, but I tell you what, living with me. Is a lot easier than living in a foster care home. Okay, because you thought it was on me. Absolutely. That's where you're gonna be living. Uh -huh. So, man, this is it, it was uh they call it the 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 spirit of Detroit. And the spirit was a prideful mm -hmm. spirit of, mm -hmm. of people, man, who really cared about each other. That I think they came from a generation. Uh, my parents' generation was a generation of people that were oppressed. And a lot of them were very poor and they didn't have the means and their parents made great sacrifices to make sure that they could begin the new generation of the family. And I think that they took great pride in that. And because they did, they made sure that that we were exposed to the right things and that they took an interest in us and we they didn't allow us to get off track without interceding, man. So it was a great time, a great era. It really is, because I, I, I can relate that. And born in Fifth Ward, Houston, Texas, you know, inner city. You know, uh, my father was a truck driver. Mom graduated from high school. And, and so six sisters, two brothers, two bedroom shotgun house is what I was born in. But that didn't stop me from seeing my goals. But because my father was in the house, he allowed me to stay focused, allowed me to move forward. And, and I'm not saying he was the best father in the world, but his physical male presence of consistency allowed me to be the man who I am today and allowed to shape some things that I wanted to do as what I wanted to be as a man based on how he presented himself, whether it was good or bad. It gave me a gave me a model, Kenny. That's all you're saying. Giving you a male model in order yes, to shape yes. your male yeah. views as you come into manhood. And as yes. we come into manhood today, we look at this pandemic and we look at marketing. Marketing is such key and that's that's your gift. When I when I looked at your resume, you're just a gifted marketer. Where did that come from? You know, I think that uh, I get a lot of my qualities from my father, mm -hmm. but because my father 
was famous, you know, it, you know, a lot of people would think Earl, Earl, but man, my father taught me how to be a man. Right. But my mother taught me how to be a person. Right. And both of them had great oratorical skills. They had uh, great uh, interpersonal skills, you mm -hmm. know. And so I'm not really a great marketer. I'm a great relationship builder. Right. And, and everything is about building relationships because if you're a great salesperson, mm -hmm. well, anybody can go get a sale and that's a one-time thing. Right. But when you, are, when you have the ability to build relationships, you have somebody that will buy from you every month versus one time and they're gone. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the difference between a great salesperson and a great relationship builder because, man, listen, everybody I know that has positioned them well, themselves well financially in life, man, they understand the power of building relationships. They have great relationships. Even you said, man, look, you know, when this is all said and done, you and I, man, we're going to get together. We're Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you understand the power of relationships. Because in the, in the, here's the key thing about it. It wasn't even a financial get together. It was just a relationship. Because yes. I always tell people, my decisions I make in life aren't always tied to money. And because yes. they're tied to a relationship and opportunity. And I think you understand what I'm talking about. That opportunity, what builds out of that opportunity is what allows you to be a winner, or put you in a winning situation. If you go in looking at how much money I can get out of this relationship, that may deter you or may cost you a long-term opportunity because you're looking for a short-term gain. And that Correct. is really what we're talking about here, Kenny, when you're talking about, okay, Rashawn, look, I want a relationship. And I say, and I say that very uh, off-cup because I know – you live in Houston. Uh, you know, I like to eat. I'm sure you're a barbecue man just like me. You know, you've been in Houston long enough to know there's the best Tex-Mex restaurants in the, in the country. It's in yep, Houston, absolutely. Texas. So, you know, when we come down there, as soon as it's COVID, because, you know, we ain't going nowhere in public in COVID. My wife ain't going nowhere. I don't know I don't know how your family handling it, Kenny, but my wife has not allowed me to take out in public since March. <laughs> I'm on. Listen, I'm I'm on lockdown, man. Listen, I mean, like, I have to sneak out. Okay, right, 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 right. I have to sneak out, man, because you, of course, you go crazy. But you know, as as predicted, um, it's 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 become worse. I mean, they have been predicting, uh, even from March on, right. that in the in the colder months, man, it's beginning October is going to get worse, and it has become worse it has uh, it has come to fruition that it, it has become worse and, and becoming is, is worsening every day so well, you know my position is that you have to be careful man that's why you know like in my business man of course the, due to covid man i lost my mother mm, in wow. march due to covid sorry about that and i don't wish that on anybody it's not mm. just the death of a, of a parent because you know, it's life and death man my father used to always say, life and death is like a doorknob. Everybody gets a turn, right? Right. You mm -hmm. know, when your parents start reaching 85, you know, 86, you kind of know, man, you know, mm -hmm. that their time is approaching. But with uh, any, anybody that has a parent and they're, they're in another city and their parent is, is diagnosed with COVID, you can't even go see them. You can't be with them, right. you know. Uh, you, it was difficult, man. I had to really uh, solicit some, some uh, political powers to be in Detroit, to even get a nurse to put on a hazmat suit, go in there and take a phone so I, I could wow. say some things to my mother that I wanted to say. Because everybody has some things they would love to whisper to a loved one's ear mm -hmm. when that, they know that loved one's about to transition. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God, man, that it happened. To, you know, I mean, because I it, it would have disturbed me, man. I, I don't know where I would be mentally if I wasn't able to do that. So, you know, I, I thank God that that he made that possible, that I could right. say some things to him. But uh, they say that 
and, and death is a birth, right? Right. And it's funny, man, because right as my mother passed, um, I mean, my business just took off, mm. you know. And I and that's what I say. I say that she became much bigger in spirit than she was ever for me on earth, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the nature of my business, man, you know, business has been very good. So, man, I just talk it up to, again, man, it's just a blessing. So let's talk know? about the nature of your business. You know, the COVID hit online. You know, a lot of black people were not able to um, handle the opportunities because they weren't technically savvy. Their brand wasn't able to benefit. We'll be right from back the lockdown, with more from the lock, from, from the lockdown. Money making conversation. Tell everybody we'll basically what Tava is all about. Well, Tava's direct said, but most well known as a network marketing company, right? And we. Man, we survived our first year where a lot of network marketing companies don't survive 90 days, man. And we survived our first year and we thrived, man. We had an incredible year, man. A lot of people were blessed and we uh, we we market health and wellness pro- uh, products, but we allow people to operate a business within a business, right? right. So you can operate a home-based business. Like we have right now in just a little over a year, over 40,000 reps all across the country, man, and in Canada, right? We're expanding. Mm-hmm. We have plans for international expansion, but, you know, it's the time for, and everything for that. But uh, right now, you know, a little 45,000, man, and these people are operating from their home, but essentially from their phone because right. we have a Welcome phone back app, to man. Conversation. It's just a way, I'm your host, you know, Sean for McDonald. people uh, to take a little control over their life, man, because there are a lot of people that are not as fortunate as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of people that don't have careers. So there are a lot of people, man, that have jobs that that keep us afloat, man. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine the countless uh, bartenders, man, and waitresses that that take care of us, man, that service us, man, who are out of work right. and make a lot, make money doing that, take right. care of their families doing it, man. Right. They have no jobs. Imagine a lot. I mean, so there's so many people. So the thing I love about what I do is that it gives people an opportunity to be the change that they've been seeking. And by that, I mean that they could really start their own home-based business, man, for $1,000 or less and have an opportunity to earn, like, I mean, man, I mean, I I have people in my company that, I mean, in in the first year earned over half a million, man. I have people that have earned 200 quarter of the uh, uh, 250,000. I have people that earn 50. You know, so if you have people that earn 500,000. Right. I have countless people that have earned an extra thousand dollars a month, man. Right, and that right, is much right. more powerful right. than the one, twos, or threes that earn five hundred thousand in one year. But imagine what an extra twelve thousand dollars would do for for your your household budget, man. For extra, extra money, man. So how you know does it, how does it work? Well, how does it work, that's Kenny? You know, that's we talk, a lot of money, man. We talk about the we talked about the lifestyle. We talked about the opportunities. How does it all work when you talk about networking? You know, everybody has a network of people that they share. Imagine you go to the store and you buy a bottle of wine and that wine right. is good. What do you do? You're like, man, I tried this <laughs> bottle of wine. and that bo-. The difference is you don't get paid when you share the story, right? right. Mm-hmm. Like somebody asked me, you know, we, we have a product, we have a coffee called Caprice. Right. And it's, it's a CBD, right? Somebody asked me, oh, I'm, I'm going to send you some and let you try it. Right? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. The CBD infused, it's delicious, man. Somebody asked me in an interview, what's the difference between my coffee and, and the other coffees in the store? I said, well, the difference is my coffee pays. 
Okay. All right. Those coffees, you have to pay to get those. My coffee, right. mm-hmm. my coffee pays mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to just share it with somebody and say, man, it was good. I tasted it and not make a dime. When you share my coffee, you make money. Right. 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 You know, and you're sharing something that's healthy. Right. <clears throat> you know, so I mean, so that's the difference, man. Uh, everybody has a, a network of people that they're close to that they share things. Hey, did you see that movie? Man, that movie was a good movie. Bam! What you do? You just made you just made somebody some money. Did right, you, right. This tennis shoes, this car. Right. You know, I mean, this we hamburger, some, this fried chicken, food. this sandwich, all that stuff. This sandwich, man. These this shoes, new restaurants, all these things we do, we're making other people money. We do it unconsciously. Mm-hmm. So our position is, how about we work a little conscious? You know, how right. about we, we be a little more conscious? Uh, uh, and, and, and about what we do, and let's start sharing some things that we're trying, and let's put let's turn it into a business and share it with our friends and family and other people that that they mm-hmm. know and that they mm-hmm. know, and let's turn this let's monetize, and that's mm-hmm. what we've been doing, man, very well. Now you did not, when I look at your background, you had, you had a run with BET, and then yeah. the, the WNBA, Washington Mystics, and so yeah. I know because your father, you know, Hall, NBA Hall of Famer, first black to be in the NBA. So yes. you 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 know HBCU you have a what I'm trying to say you have a very um, uh, layered life you know and it, it, how has that helped you tell us about your experience with BET Network and then also the Washington Mystics, Mystics of the WNBA. Well, let me say this: the my experience with with BET was an incredible experience because it's the first time ever, man. We started off with a local network. And then next thing you know, BET picked it up, man, and we were just global mm-hmm. with the show. Uh, of course, uh, it was our first experience, but, you know, the show was not so good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we had two good seasons, though. Uh-huh. We had two seasons. But, you know, the show could have been a lot different. Uh, it was supposed to shine a positive light on network marketing, what we do. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was it turned into something ugly. And I, I don't blame it on BET. I, I say that. And I, even the producers, it was the first project that they ever worked on, man. But uh, it, it was an absolute pleasure working with BET, man. We went down to the BET Awards and, right. and they took care of us, man. Mm-hmm. They treated us. We walked the red. They didn't treat us like, <clears throat> you know, we were nothing, man. They right. gave us the red carpet experience. So Absolutely. BET, Absolutely. Look, man, you will never hear Kenny Lloyd say anything <laughs> negative about you. You all took care of us when it was when I had my moment, my five minutes of fame. I enjoyed it every minute of it, man, and they made it special. And now, now the Washington Mystics of WNBA. Now that that's my brother. You have to do the interview with him because that was him working with the Mystics. Oh, that was okay, like- cool. They put down here on your bio here, and I apologize because when I looked everything up, I, I didn't see it. <clears throat> oh, I didn't see it rolling like that. So now let's go back to the Houston, Texas area. And let's let's talk about that whole experience of being in Houston. You say you've been there 15 years, right? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, what advantage is being in the Texas market? Because let's talk about Texas, because I my corporations in Texas, they don't tax you. We're talking money making conversations now. Yes. There are some advantages to not taxing, to to not paying taxes as a corporation and not having your your business tax. Is that being is that is that is that an asset for your brand? Oh, it's 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 an absolute asset to the brand. Look, man, you know, man, when you are a look, I'm still a small business, okay? You know, I'm still a small business. I mean, you know, we, we do a lot of lot of lot of numbers a month, man, but we're still a small business. And any break a small business can get, you have to capitalize on it. But what's important 
And the biggest mistake that most small businesses make is that they think small when they start off. You right. know, uh, you have to look at your numbers. And when you see your numbers, man, when you start going from 2000, I mean, like, you know, like 10,000 in sales a month, 20. And mm-hmm. when you see yourself going to six figures and heading towards seven. Right. You got to have some very competent, you know, people in, on your team at the, that that are, are CPAs, man, right. that, that could guide you. Right. But I, I always tell people. Whatever it is you 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 achieve to be, start right. putting your team together before you get there. Because right. you, have, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, man. Right. You know, and when it happens, sometimes it's you one contract, man. Your one move, one 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 swing of God's hands from going from you know twenty thousand a month to a million in sales a month. And if you're not prepared, man, you're gonna sink because it's not just about sales alone. They it doesn't it doesn't sustain you, man. It is being, you know, it's your infrastructure. So it's important that you have the right people in place as you see your business start to grow, man. And don't don't be cheap, okay? Because right. you get what you pay for, all right? Now, let's, let's talk about that. And let's talk about relationship from the standpoint of personal. Like, my wife has always played a major role in my life, you know. I always tell people, you know, she was a very talented optometrist and allowed me to go to New York and build my brand, go to L.A. and build my brand. I'm in Atlanta. She's helping me build my brand now. I had to bring up because, you know, your wife plays a prominent role in your bio, okay? I, yeah. I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be remiss, and I don't want to fall on her dark side because I said I want to get with you. I don't want to have Absolutely. an interview with you and don't bring her up. Okay, Kenny? Talk about the, the power corporate relationship that you have with your wife, Kenny. Well, let me say this, man. My wife is my business partner mm-hmm. and she and I both have a role, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing I say about my wife is that <laughs> I wouldn't be on this interview with you if it was not for my wife because mm-hmm. I've had many more failures than I've had success. You know, mm-hmm. And you know, each failure is 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 a success if you don't duplicate it because you learn through it, right? But I've had many more failures, and she never killed my spirit. Like, you know, I'm, I'll never forget that in this last journey, we she was working, and she would be going to work, and she'd be working on our reality. And our reality was that we were broke and we needed some money. Right. So she was going and she was earning some money, but she allowed me to work on our dream, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which was you know, uh, work the, the business full time, right? Right. Now, it was a little hard, though, because, you know, she would be like, did you make a sale today? I'm like, baby, I can't work under that kind of pressure, okay? Just let me do my thing. <laughs> right, but right. But that she allowed me to do that. And, of course, you know, there was ridicule. <clears throat> you know, people knew me as Shantae's broke man and this and that. But, right. man, I didn't let any of that sway me because I know broke man is just temporary, right? Right, it's a right, 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 right. But, when our when our dream became our reality, then her reality changed because she was able to do what she wants, when she wants, and how she wants. It, okay, right. and but she still chooses not to sit on her butt all day and live in the lap of luxury. Right. My wife is very active in our business, you know, because she loves the people. She's a big part of the reason why we're here because she interacts with people like maybe. I don't know. I've been told I might come off like a shark sometime, man, but I just don't play because being broke and climbing out of that hole, that broke hole, man, it's rough. And so you don't have time to nurture anybody and breastfeed people. And man, look, it's like, it's man, it's feast of famine out here. Right. You know, when you're trying to live your dream, man, when you're trying to come from broke 
to into giving your family the life you want to give them, man, you got to be a gorilla. Well, okay? let, me, let me just talk, talk about that, Kenny, because, you know, because I, I probably I'm mad at myself because we talked about it off air and I should have started this conversation with it because you and I both are over 60 and we all know that especially black people. They tend to lock ages when they think they can. This is when I 40, I'm, I'm 40, I'm done. 50, I'm done. I'm trying to retire. And we all know there's no money waiting on you at 65 years of age. You and I both know that. Yeah. So what can you know? And I, and, I, and, I, and I remember I did an interview and it went viral when I was talking about I don't have an age limit. Age is a number that's necessary. And, and I hate people who, who I won't tell you how old I am. I, I don't know how you can be successful unless you get older. That's what's called experience. And if you yeah. do the right, have the right type of experience, you get paid for that value. Let's talk about you, because you said, Rashawn, at 50, I cranked it back up. Let's talk about that, not allowing age to stop you, Kenny. No, man, I, I didn't let age because uh, I, I think my my calling, you know, like we all to put on this earth, man, with a purpose. And yes. man, some of us die crying because we've never discovered our purpose because we don't keep on moving forward. And mm -hmm. for me, I... Anybody who, who's known me all my life will tell you that I've always said I wanted to be a millionaire. And I didn't know how, <laughs> what, or what, but I was, my goal was to be a millionaire. Right. And I said it took me 50 years to make it happen mm -hmm. and a lot of pain, right? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, a lot of people my age, they're downsizing. You mm -hmm. know, they're looking for, you know, uh, what uh, are those chairs? I, those what are those chairs? You, you pull a lever and they go. I don't even know what it is because I don't. They, what's that they, chair? They go up the stairs like those stairs. The little chair go yeah, up the stairs. Yeah, man. They just yeah. sit in it. They just yeah, sit in it. I'm telling people, and this is, and when I say this to you, I say it from my heart. Mm -hmm. I'm working on my jet. Right, 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 right. right. <clears throat> I got two more things, man, on my on my on my uh, my vision board, man, mm -hmm. that I got to complete, and mm -hmm. that's my jet and my yacht, and mm -hmm. I'm gonna have them. My jet. I know when I'm going to have it because I have my expectation date mm -hmm. and I'm close. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> my yacht, I know when I'm going to have that and I'm, mm -hmm. I, I will have that before 65, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And so the point is I'm 61 years old. Right. Mm -hmm. Man, look, I don't subscribe to that. <clears throat> when you get a certain age, you start wearing those sweaters, man, and sitting in the <laughs> in the oh, recliner. That's what you call it, the recliner chair, watching TV with the... Man, oh listen, if that's the life you choose. Right. I don't like it. Do your thing, but I want everybody to know <clears throat> that my life, I was reborn mm -hmm. at <clears throat> excuse me, I was reborn at 50 years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I'm 61, and I still have the energy and vibrance mm -hmm. of a, a 40 year old. Right. Why? Because my life is burning. Right. You know, my, my light is still burning, man, because I still have work to do. Mm -hmm. You know, the really interesting thing, and I agree, I, I tell everybody, I didn't really, despite having success in my life, Kenny, it wasn't until I was 42 that I really accepted who I was and who I could be. And so age plays a role in all that. That's, that's why I admire people like Barack Obama, who... I call them visionaries. They knew early on he wanted to be president, you know. And so, like you said, Rashawn... I remember in high school, Kenny, you know, we didn't have enough money to barely buy our basketball shoes that we played in every day. But we used to cut out pictures of foreign cars, Porsches, Corvettes. And I used to always remember that. And guess what I drive today? Those type of cars. For some reason in my mind, even though I didn't know it, Kenny, 
I was I was instilling a value in me, an aspiration in me that this is what I wanted in my life. And even when my friends settled for, you know, cars, I thought I just waited. I remember the very first car I bought was a foreign car, the Fiat X19, two two oh, yeah. seater, two seater. And I because I just knew that that's the game I wanted to play. And <coughs> you say to yourself, Rashad, at 50, I remodeled and just started my career where I wanted to go. Now you're talking about you got goals all the way up to 65. And I know your goals beyond 65. But what I yes. always want to tell people, when you think like you, Kenny, it impacts you physically as well. You walk different. You talk different. You dress exactly. different. Am I right? Absolutely. 100%, man. I mean, <clears throat> everything about me, I just work through things, man, You know, because I know what's waiting. Well, Kenny, I want to let you go. It's a top of lifestyle. Uh, off air, I want to get your phone number from you because I'm like I said, I got a home down in Houston, Texas. I live my headquarters down in Atlanta. Then you know when you get that uh, that plane, that jet. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know. I'm not gonna ask you what what size you getting there. What, what's your what's your what's your hey, vision man, listen, board? I can't jet? put it out there. I don't want to oh, jinx oh, okay, it. I'm okay, okay. Because I've been on some jets now. I've been on some jets, Kenny. Let me say this to you. Uh. Can I get it? You come here. Can you say Vegas? Yes. yes. <laughs> and you know I got the relationships, baby, in Vegas. I got the relationship. Hey, Kenny, man, please, brother, stay blessed. And again, man, we, we, we're friends now. We're a relationship, brother. Hey, man, and I want to tell everybody about the taller lifestyle, the networking. You've done, man, and everything that you're doing, man, because it's about uplifting people, man. And Hey, look, man, you, you've had a lot of success, man. And I, I'm telling you, man, I'm very honored, man, to be a part of this today. So thank you very much. We will be right back with more money-making conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. Hi, I'm Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award is a celebration of black men who are making a difference in our community by empowering others to reach their life goals. From civic leaders, businessmen, activists, celebrities, and everyday dads. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award winner this week is Hill Harper. His Manifest Your Destiny Foundation provides underserved youth a path to empowerment and educational excellence through academic programming, college training, and personal development. When I started my foundation, um, Manifest Your Destiny, that I wanted to, to empower young people in, in terms of education, in terms of helping them achieve their goals. And I started to realize the number one excuse or reason they would give me as to why they're not following their dreams always went back to money. If money is the root of what's holding people back and we don't even teach it in school, we have to educate folks and empower them financially for them to actually live their best lives. The Cafe Mocha Swag Award represents men who have strength, whose wisdom is assertive, and who are genuine in their spirit. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations with your host, Rashawn McDonald. My next guest is Sherelle Dorsey. She's the founder and CEO of The Plug, a digital news and insights platform covering the Black innovative community, innovations community, I should say. Her work has been featured in Vice, The Washington Post, and more. Sherelle has been contributing editor for notable publications like Columbia Journalism Review, Fast Company, Black Enterprise, and others. The Plug and Word have partnered to highlight Black tech and innovative innovations within the Philadelphia community by pooling together their resources to create greater impact through storytelling. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Sherelle Dorsey. How you doing, Ms. Dorsey? Hi, thank you so much for having me, Rashawn. It's such a pleasure to be um, here with you today and um, being part of this conversation. I'm really excited about the work that we're doing in Philadelphia. So what is that work? So let's go and get down to the heart of the matter, because I hear the word storytelling. You know, 
storytelling in the era of the pandemic, in the financial crisis, black people and the financial gap is, is getting further and further apart. What is HBCUs finally being recognized for their contribution? That's the one positive thing that's come out of 2020. When you say storytelling, what do you, what do you mean when you say that? Absolutely. So the way in which we tell stories about who it is that we are and how we contribute specifically to society matters, right? Mm -hmm. For too long, we've seen innovation and genius only look like one archetype, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about the Bill Gates, the Mark Zuckerbergs, we talk about the Elon Musks, mm -hmm. but you rarely see the conversations about folks that come from communities that look like ours mm -hmm. being genius mm -hmm. in what they've produced and created and what they also lead mm -hmm. within their communities and how that particular impact um, is, is really changing the paradigm uh, for so many of us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I have the privilege through the plug, which is a um, digital subscription based and insights news platform. We cover the black innovation economy mm -hmm. across the country. Mm -hmm. And this year we had the privilege of receiving a grant from the Linfest Institute um, and some community partners to work in collaboration with Word Radio in Philadelphia to cover what does black and brown innovation look like on the ground, especially amid such a tumultuous time as COVID-19. And we know that black businesses disproportionately have been the most affected right. um, just as black people have from a, a healthcare standpoint. And so um, as we look at the storytelling conversation, um, ensuring that we are covering the highs and the lows of this and how it affects our communities is super, super critical um, right now. And also um, as we look toward a new year with you know new administration and new needs from a policy perspective. You know, it's really interesting because uh, the names you mentioned earlier, you know, Elon Musk and uh, Zuckerberg and Bill Gates, well, the, the, the top five richest people in the world. And you know, when I look at insight and information, sometimes um, I think black news has been diversified or maybe it's, it's not as clean as it was when I was growing up. I grew up on Jet Magazine. I grew up on the Ebony, you know, and so. This was truly, yeah. you know, you had the black storytelling. You know, they told us who the black top 10 songs, the black 10, top 10 TV shows. I knew everything. And so is there, is, 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 is diversity too much or do we need to narrow the information base sometimes to be able to get the true information, the success stories of black Americans? I think that we need nuance in all cases and places and spaces. Right. Um, you know, black folks are not a monolith. I think we share so many similar challenges because, you know, good old fashioned American history has, has shown us some of the tools and tactics that have been used against us, whether it was redlining our communities, right. not providing adequate transportation options or food um, access options. A lot of our uh, um, cities from, you know, Seattle, you know, where I'm from originally to, you know, Kansas City to, you know, Tallahassee, Florida. I mean, we've all experienced the same levels of what systemic racism has done to our communities, our schools, um, our healthcare centers, um, all of those things. And so we have that shared experience um, of, of what, you know, discriminatory systems have done to limit genius and limit innovation. Um, but, but when we look very closely, we still see that there are so many great pockets of genius and people who have survived some of the worst of the atrocities of, of American racism. And that plays such a tremendous factor in terms of where we are today, particularly as we are battling, you know, one of the most distinctive moments in our time right. from a public health standpoint. 
And then also from an economic one as well, um, you know, and, and, you know, a decade ago, I was graduating from college in the height of a recession, you know, and now when we look at home ownership rates amongst, um, amongst Black folks in this country, we see a tremendous decline. We see the, the shift of, and the growth of the, racial, of the racial wealth gap in terms of, you know, things really moving backwards. And so I love to talk about what innovation looks like in our communities and the opportunities that exist, be that making investments in entrepreneurs um, who are building high growth tech companies and the companies that are going to drive the future. Um, I think that, you know, there's, there's just plenty of opportunity here to take a look at all the dimensions in which black and brown folks live and work and play and finding ways to help people connect the dots and synthesize. Here are the movers and the shakers. Here are the opportunities that we are really examining from a city by city's perspective to also ensure that, okay, are black and brown folks in a majority, as they call majority minority city, getting their fair share of support, considering all of the other challenges that are up against us. Okay. Why did you choose the city of Philadelphia? Philadelphia, um, for, for a number of reasons, is a super interesting city to me. I have family there. Um, my family really originates so you, out of Seattle. You, you're Alabama. interesting. You, you said Seattle earlier. Now you're in Atlanta and now in Philadelphia. So you got the coast and the south locked down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got it locked down. I got it locked down. My grandparents left the South um, mm-hmm. and moved to Detroit, you know, mm-hmm. in the, the 50s and 60s. And uh-huh. uh, my grandfather ended up going to Bo- uh, Boeing in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got recruited to go work for Boeing. So most Black folks that ended up in Seattle got there because of companies like Boeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's my grandfather, you know, my grandfather left Detroit, you know, after he came back from the military. And, and that's how that's how he ended up in Seattle. And um, his sister went over to Philadelphia, got mm-hmm. married and moved to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So I grew up going back and forth to those cities, but having such a deep, rich history. And Philadelphia is one of the, the top rising tech hubs in the country. Mm-hmm. It's also the, one of the majority black, right? In the, right. In the state of Pennsylvania, right. highly populated with black and Latinx people and communities who are, are slowly starting to be pushed out, right? Of the very city that, um, that, that decided not to make the necessary investments to ensure that these crop of folks got to participate in what we call the innovation economy. So really preparing people for the jobs of the future, which are driven by things like artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. machine learning, mm-hmm. automation, the kind of things like when we go to the grocery store and you don't have to go to the checkout person, you can go right over there to the machine, those kinds of things. You know, we, we over-index as a people in service-based businesses. Um, so when we look at places like cities, cities like Philadelphia, where, you know, investors and developers come in and buy up the blocks and, you know, transform, you know, a, a community overnight into, you know, very expensive housing. Uh, we've seen that story all across America, but we wanted to make sure as Philadelphia was starting to um, face its own economic changes we really were taking a look at, okay, what is the city doing to prepare these groups of residents and citizens who have been there for generations? Um, what are they doing to help ensure that these folks also get an opportunity to get investment? We see the Google Google for startups 
having invested in two companies, um, you know, black owned uh, tech companies in the city of Philadelphia. Right. You know, we're seeing, um, you know, some of the administration really focus on workforce opportunities within the tech space. So I think it's just an interesting case study. I have just ties to the city, um, the people itself. I have family there that are still in North Philly, West Philly and Germantown. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think that that city that, that Philadelphia truly is a microcosm of the rest of America. Okay, we know in October 5th, the partnership incorporated the plug hosting a bi-monthly segment on Word every other Monday. Tell us about that. So we get an opportunity to talk about some of the reporting that we've done, um, particularly within the city of Philadelphia. And so um, we have one, one of the great things that the grant allowed us to do right. was also find a, a local reporting fellow. So we have um, Hadriana uh, Lowenkran, who happens to be an undergrad at the University of Pennsylvania. And um, she's on the ground really, really creating some incredible reporting stories. One of her latest pieces was on how a crowdfunding campaign um, that was created by Black doctors um, who developed a consortium to provide access to COVID testing for Black Philadelphians. Um, It was an incredible piece that she did. So we go on live every other Monday with Word to talk through these pieces and these discoveries of what's going on in the community Mm -hmm. and to talk about how does that fit into the scope of innovation and opportunity within the city. Um, And so it's just been an incredible way for us to go from, you know, hey, we're here's a, you know, a thousand words to Mm -hmm. read on this to, you know, those who are just kind of listening in to to Word and want to, you know, want to get a glimpse of what's going on from the innovation perspective. You know, they can listen to, um, they can actually listen to the stories that we're covering. Well, it's really interesting because what I'm hearing now is your your version of what I grew up with, Black Enterprise. Mm. I mean, Ebony, Jet Magazine from a technical standpoint. In other words, you're finding where you can get the truth. You know, you can hear about Black Black leaders, black financiers, because right now the journal media just wants to tell us about athletes who make a lot of money, who want to tell us about entertainers who make a lot of money, box office success. But when you're talking about, like you said, you was able to rattle off the top five financially successful uh, men in the world. I don't know who the top five financially successful African-Americans in the world. I should be able to rattle that off. And I feel that's what I would get from you, what you're what you're doing with the word and the plug is be able to provide a home for that information and also create conversation. That's where you get the insights from. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think overall, you know, when it comes to data capture of black folks, a lot of the conversations have been somewhat dismal, right? It's about Mm -hmm. lack and disparity and deficit. You know, the reality is this, we know that we are severely underfunded and under-resourced compared to our white counterparts, right? right? They got a 400-year head start, mm-hmm. right? And so for us to leverage statistics solely based on our relationship to whiteness, I think is the quickest way for us to lose imagination about the capabilities of Black and Brown people. And so the way in which, you know, the, the plug and, and even through our project with Word, our question isn't to ask what isn't, it's to ask what is. Mm-hmm. Where where does the opportunity happen um, that allows us to help train, upskill, reskill, and provide guidance, you know, to those who want to create and build a better future, particularly for, for people in, in within communities that look like them. And so I think overall, we have to really think through our media again and what is the purpose and what is the context. You know, you mentioned early publishing days of some of the black media publishers, you know, Chicago being that hub, um, um, kind of on a side note, you know, we did a podcast series called the Clark street project, Mm -hmm. really, really taking a look at, 
um, you know, looking at uh, the Associated Negro Press, mm-hmm. right? And, and sort of those early Black journalists who were covering our communities and providing nuance to yes. what the Black experience really looks like in America. Mm-hmm. And that is so significant in, in that concept of storytelling, which you, which you alluded to earlier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you see then I'm happy to see that they're from a technical standpoint. Well, you know, the thing about it is that Black Enterprise is doing a great job rolling out these magazines, but somehow, you know, they've, 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 they've hit a wall. They hit a wall of being able to reach a certain demographic from a social standpoint and, uh, where where you're providing information that I think is like, you know, you, when you feed a baby, you, you, you kind of like take the little spoon. You don't give a big old tablespoon of food to a baby. You, teach, you, you give it to them, they sample, and they come back for more. And that's what I feel that your platform is. It's a great sampling platform. And once you get there, you want more information because you provide the information, which in turn gives us the insight to be successful. Because I always tell people, if you don't know your story, that's where the storytelling comes from. If you don't know your story or go to a place where somebody's telling your story accurately, and consistently, then guess what? You don't get your story. You get a partial rendering of what they want you to hear. In other words, the timeline will eventually push your story out of the headlines. And that's what you're not doing, correct? Absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm a trained data journalist um, and computational data journalist. And, you know, what I love about Word is working with a talented group of of media players, you know, um, you know, Sarah Lomax Reese is also, we both are two women that graduated from Columbia journalism school, Mm -hmm. right? Black women running, you know, media publications that are significantly focused on the black experience and elevating our opportunities within the spaces that are, that are controlling the world, right? Technology, especially now we've accelerated in technology and work from home and future of work, um, you know, the the kind of the jobs of the future are here now, right? Right. And so, you know, when I look at that, I believe that media's job, especially Black media's job, is to help us along the way. You know, if I'm honest, I feel that, you know, um, I I feel that our media didn't give us the necessary language to keep moving forward and to find the opportunities to get us in this space. I think in some instances, we, we confused um, you know, we confused the ability to profile people's businesses as entertainment instead of instruction, right? right? When I think about the case studies and the knowledge needed to really build out a strong and sustainable company, I don't think that we guided the way in the way that we needed to for the kind of future that was coming, you know, and I can't speak to other publications and sort of what resources they have, but I do know that running a Black media publication is a challenge. I know that, you know, advertising revenue has largely been eaten up by social media right? and social media platforms. And so the, the distinctive thing about the plug is we've been revenue focused from day one, um, you know, having a subscription base where we do have a free weekly briefing. And then for premium tier subscriptions to some of our, our exclusive content, you know, we're able to have more paid version and really attract a group of professionals and executives that really look to us for guidance on how should we be making business decisions as it relates to ensuring an inclusive and diverse workforce um, and community. And so I think it's just a hard business. And I think that, you know, in order to continue to evolve, we have to be hyper tuned into what the data is telling us and using that data to really drive the way that we tell our stories and the way that we inform our public and really help equip the decision makers with the resources they need to make better decisions on behalf of our communities. Well, you, I, I love your tone. First of all, you, you are a storyteller yourself. You know, <laughs> you, yeah. They, they have a very, um, very casual, very easygoing fact-based 
information that comes out of this you articulate on a daily, daily basis. That's why I can appreciate. I was kind of confused about the storytelling earlier, but I, I clearly see it now because of the fact that my life and what the information I'm able to share you share with you is based on a resource that I had growing up. That somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, I thought got lost when rap music came out and that became our storytelling was rap music. That was our future storytelling. But somehow along the line, technology has to be, we have to gain control of that technology because that's where everything's being disseminated. Like you said, social media, through the digital platforms, and now you're creating a platform that allows us to be a part of it. Tell us about that platform and how can we participate? Absolutely. I would love um, for your your audience, your your readers, your listeners, your viewers to go to tpinsights.com. So just the plug insights.com. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really where we have the bulk of our work positioned. So, um, you know, giving you an opportunity to subscribe to our weekly briefing, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're in your inbox every single Monday, mm-hmm. um, you know, really giving you a lens on here's what you need to know. Here's what we're starting to examine. Um, here are kind of the top conversations that are happening across the ecosystem. And again, you know, it it really is is a way to kind of quickly digest what's taking place and not be intimidated by the language or the kind of companies that are being built. You know, technology is accessible. We just, you know, we try to slow it down a bit. So that way um, everyone can be, can feel, uh, you know, can truly feel, you know, ready, um, ready for what's coming. So, Sherelle, so I just provide you with uh, my email address, my first and last name, my email address. That's all you need from me. And yeah, I can you this, can go I right to tpinsights.com every and you Monday? can subscribe right to the weekly briefing and start uh-huh. getting it every Monday. And when you say weekly briefing, is it, is it like a one-sheeter? Is it several pages? Is it clickable pages? Or what is it? So it comes to you as a, as a newsletter, right to your email. So uh-huh. you're opening up your email. You're just, you're reading the information. There's mm-hmm. a note from myself or my managing editor. Um, and we, we, you know, we, we detail, here's what we're reading. Here's what you should be reading. Mm-hmm. Here are the most significant pieces of the news in terms of black tech news. Um, and it just comes to your, to your email inbox. It's just that simple. Well, guess what? Uh, Rashawn McDonald's going to sign up. Because it, because it's information that I know. I'm going to tell you I read my LinkedIn. I read my Houston Chronicles. I'm from Houston Chronicles. I read my AJC. So I have not been able to find a platform which I feel is much more, uh, you know, I, I, I different radio formats I go to. I read Black and Infrared. But this is a little bit different. I think this is socially tech-friendly, so socially friendly, and it also allows me to appeal to the general population. You know, if I go to if I go to Essence, that's female centric. OK. And uh, and and so I know that Jet Magazine really doesn't exist like it used to exist. And, you know, the voice of Ebony is not what it was previously. So you're creating a new voice and a very powerful voice from a techno standpoint. And you've accepted the fact that, hey, we're going to deliver information to you every Monday. If all you have to do is just give us your first and last name and your email address, which in turn gives you information about who your potential base is, correct? The insights. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and we're scraping industry data, private um, information data, public data um, to, to really deliver um, interesting insights on, on business growth, on opportunity growth, what have you. So there's a lot there. Um, and it's such a great entry point to just go to tpinsights.com subscribe to the newsletter. Just start there. It's really simple. Well, I will start there, my friend. I'm talking to Sorrell Dorsey. Uh, she, by way of, you know, grandparents went to Detroit, went over to Seattle, then the other sister went to the 
in Philadelphia, the you know the grandfather. He went over to Seattle. Then she landed in in Atlanta, Georgia, with me. <laughs> She's reconnected with the people of Philadelphia, which is uh, as he said, a high black African American population. This is in Philadelphia, in the state of Pennsylvania. I've been there many times. That whole eastern corridor is heavy with African American faces and places to do and participate in. But more importantly, it's your voice. You're the CEO of the Plug, a digital news and insight platform for black economy and innovation. Any any parting words about this great platform? Because you you moved me forward. I'm ex- I'm really uh, genuinely excited because you know, I reference my age. I'm glad group. I got you excited, Rashawn. Because when you, as soon as you start saying Jet and Ebony, I mean that's those are some hard shoes to fill. No, so. no, but, but that's the right <laughs> shoes to fill. Because the reason I say that is that I always you know I talk to a lot of people. I'm always uh yeah you know, I, I I just. I just feed on information. You know, my minor sociology, I've always, I'm in entertainment. I try to be topical. I always tell people, you, you can't be young, but you can't be topical, which means you can't be relevant. You can't be current. And you're telling me that I have a platform now that, that can be delivered to my, it's part of my mantra on Monday. I get up at four o'clock in the morning. What time does the newsletter usually hit your mailbox? We usually have it um, out by one o'clock in the so, afternoon. So it'll be part of my my afternoon information Perfect. base, which or I may move it to my 4 a.m. Because at 4 a.m., I get up every day at 4 a.m. So it'll be part of my 4 a.m. reading right before I read my Houston Chronicle. And then I'll be I'll, I'll be learning things. And I can we comment? Can we give you feedback on different things? Uh, can you request All you have to do le- is hit reply mm-hmm. to the to the newsletter. Um, and that goes right to my team. You know, we are always, you know, getting feedback and hearing what um, our audience is doing. And so it's a it's a two way street for us, for sure. Well, thank you. I'm going to put a thank big you. thank you, Sherelle Dorsey. Uh, I, I needed this. I, you know, I bring people on the show. It's money-making conversation, but it's about life. You know, different ways you, you achieve economic and social success. More importantly, it's about relationships. And the fact that you're mining an opportunity in the city of Philadelphia, which has recently become a hotbed of political uh, political under, undertakings by our uh, departing President Donald Trump that lets you know that your voice is important, information you're giving from a social, from a digital, and from a uh, insight information standpoint is important because I'm not getting my information from iHeart. I'm not getting my information where they won't even share from Amazon. They won't even share from Google. They won't even share at Facebook. So you yourself is building a base of reliability and credibility that we can come and get that shared digital information. Thank you. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. And thank you for having this platform as well. It's definitely a big teacher for us all. Awesome. Well, you'll be seeing my name pop up in your uh, registry. And uh, I will tell my staff to sign up too because uh, my company, 3815 Media, is about, you know, creating diverse platform information for minorities or people of color. Again, anytime you want to come on my yeah. show, I'm going to put also I'm going to put in my newsletter that goes out to 92,000 fans uh, twice a month. So I'm going to help spread the word about what you guys are doing because, again, we need to know what you know, okay? And you know a lot. And so if you tell us what you know, we'll be a lot stronger and a safer community and a much more knowledgeable community to be able to compete. And that's what you're about. You're trying to put us in a line to be able to compete. And if we don't compete, then guess what? We can't win. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank cool. you for having me. All right, great. Well, when you come back on the show, and we bring back on the show the first quarter so we can wrap up once they get out of this little pandemic run. We know we're going into yeah. the vaccination. You are important, my friend. Because we got to be able to tell these black people they got to take this vaccine, but we're going to wait a little minute. 
Make sure they all good when they've done all their <laughs> testing on them. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. I was just having that conversation with my aunt yesterday. There you go. No, Come I on hear now. you. I hear you. I appreciate, well, I appreciate it. To... Thank you so much for bye, this bye. opportunity and, and for sharing your platform with me. I'm really looking forward to working together again in the future. Well, you are I because really you're the type of people I need in my life from a standpoint of trying to get the message <laughs> out because you're grassroots and you also are, you know, I, yeah. I've learned this is that, you know, you win by being able to talk to people who have a voice and you have a voice and you have a, and you really do know how to tell a story. And I really mm-hmm. I, I, I'm really um, engaged by your level of communication. So please don't change, which I know you won't. Thank you. But also understand that your value <laughs> is going to be fantastic and needed in 2021. OK. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a lovely holiday season. Okay. Talk again soon. Bye bye. If you want to hear more money making conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I'm your host.